0: In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Binge all episodes of *The Last City* ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
1: When you're sitting with these guys, are you do, are you asking them any questions, or are you just more happy to meet them?
2: Well. That's, that's always the trick is you want to be a fan, but when you got the chance to sit next to them, you don't want them to do him. So basically you just soak it in, you know, okay. you, you ask a couple of questions, you know, like, so did you own a specific deck of cards that you got that image from, but you got to be yeah. deep. You can't just go, Oh my God, I love you. I love you. I love you.
3: <laughs> but the, you could do that on this show about Batman though. Cause that's what this show is about. <laughs>
1: Everyone's got their thing, fanatics. Bonjour, hola, hello, and all the other languages. Welcome to the Fanatics Podcast, where we are fanatical, excitable, passionable, and anything that you can add the word-able to about fantastic things that you are into, that celebrities are into. I am David Magadoff.
3: And I am Claire Kramer, and I'm feeling especially passionable today. Thank you Uh, for that, David. (laughs) Passionable,
1: I love it. passionable for you feel every like day. I fashionable,
3: passionable, and whatever, Pable. Um, anyway. And if, you,
1: and if we had Snapples, it would be Snappable.
3: <laughs> Snappable. Uh, maybe Snapple would want to sponsor us. I don't know. I like Snapples. Oh,
1: throw I it really out do. there, manifest. Uh, I mean,
3: I like the little quotes under the cap. You know what I mean? Like the oh, motivational yeah. quotes. That's going to motivate me to unscrew more Snapple caps. That's what that does.
1: Boom. Claire, who do we got on today?
3: Oh my gosh. He is one of my favorite people. You guys probably know him from Justice League, plays Green Lantern, Futurama, Mad TV, even Pulp Fiction. It's the amazing Phil Lamar. But you know what? We're not going to talk about his career, David. That's what I love about this show. Like, he's such an amazing, hilarious, like, prolific actor. Went to Yale. Not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what, David?
1: Batman comic books.
3: His love of Batman. He loves Batman. He loves Batman. Batman.
1: Phil is not Batman, but he really, really (laughs) likes Batman.
3: (laughs) I mean, he could be, you know, he could be Batman.
1: He could. But I like Phil, though, because I grew up with Saturday Night Live. I still watch Saturday Night Live. It's just my thing. Even when it's terrible, I still watch it. You know, I've I've auditioned for it. It showcases for them. Uh, And Mad TV was definitely there for me. And he was like a mainstay on Mad TV and with his wonderful voices and things like So it's always this is fun for me because I'm I'm a Phil Lamar fan myself. And so to be able to just to sit and chat with him today, it was just a great conversation. And it was just, you know, it makes me happy to be like, I saw you and watched you and you made me laugh so much on the TV. And here we are talking in Zoom time,
3: dude. I looked up his wiki for his mad TV characters. I'm just gonna name a few of the characters he played, okay? Just a few minor characters like Bobby Brown, Ray Charles, Nat King Cole, P. Diddy, Billy Crystal, Ice T Michael Jackson, Rick James, Don King, Martin Lawrence, Spike Lee, the list Sidney Portier, Prince, Chris Rock. I mean, the list goes on. He's he's such a great actor. He's it's such so
1: weird that he. It's so weird that it became a, a, He became a, so famous and has a wonderful career in voiceover. Who would have ever thought after doing all of that on Man TV?
3: Yeah, but you know what? That's how voiceover artists. No, are. They're the, st- yeah. like such
0: great comedians. The
1: impressions, but no impressions. He, he's yeah. able to do all that, and he's he's so good with his voice. His voice is like uh, how Michael Phelps's body is for a for a swimming pool. His voice is uh, is that for a microphone. Micro- Are you with I was me on wondering that metaphor? what you were going to say. Yeah. Like, well, how was I going to land that plane? Akin
3: kind swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he's like Sully here on the uh, Hudson with this <laughs> joke.
1: <laughs> but he landed it. He, and he's a did, hero. You
3: did. You landed it. It worked out. And so did this episode. Please listen to you guys. Phil Lamar.
1: While he has the voice of the Dark Knight, he is but a light in the world. Please welcome Mr. Phil Lamar.
3: Welcome to the show, <laughs> Phil. How are you?
2: I'm good, Claire. I'm good. David, how are you guys?
1: Excellent. And you're here to talk about your fantastic, wonderful love of comic books today, specifically
2: Batman. Batman. Yes.
3: I, I love it. I I And I love the shirt you're wearing. He's wearing, for those of you who can't see, which is all of you, because this is a podcast, <laughs> uh, he is wearing a Batman shirt. Okay. Huh. So many questions in my mind all at once, Phil. Like. <laughs> I got to sort them out. But first question is, Mm. Batman comics, Batman specifically, DC comics, how big of a fan are you?
2: I say that Batman is my totem animal. Okay, Like Batman is the superhero I love the most. It's the, you know, if I had to go on a desert island, I would take Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, you know, that's just have to. And it's funny because... I, growing up, you know, you're like, it's not like most, you know, little black kid can relate to Batman, but there's just something about the power of that character. And I think maybe it's because he is one of the, you know, iconic superheroes, the big two, and he doesn't have powers. Mm. Which, which always makes super, to me, Batman makes superhero-dom possible.
3: It's attainable. You know? It's I mean, that's what I guess. You know what? I never really thought about that. That's that's a really good Batman ish point. I mean, he has the Batmobile, obviously, and he has like the suit that has all the contraptions and the ways to do things. But I mean, is that what? Tell me about the first time little like you said, little boy growing up. You saw this character. What was it that initially drew you to him? And, And how old were you?
1: Yeah, what's your origin story, Phil? How, what was what was your walking down the dark alley and the pearls falling down <laughs> moment for well, you? see, that's
2: the interesting thing is that, I mean, because Batman is so iconic, you know, it's like, what's your first memory of Mickey Mouse? What's your first memory of the flag? Like, there kind of isn't a specific one so much as I remember when I was 10, we had neighbors who were older and their son came back from college. He just graduated and he was... Getting rid of his childish things. And he said, Hey, do you want this? And he handed me his comic book collection. He had a long box. So, and here's a guy who's what, 10, 12 years older than me. So I'm now getting comics that he had when he was my age. So, and I still have a handful of them. I have some comics that are older than I am. What was in
1: there? Because that's a special thing. And you you got it at 10 years old, which is like the perfect right? age.
2: No, I have some old mad magazines. I have like for years, I thought I had seen Chinatown and I'd only just read the mad magazine parody. But there <laughs> I have an old detective comics from 1964 or 63. And it's it's Robin talking to Batman who's got his back turned and then Batman turns around and it's the Joker wearing a Batman cowl. And it's just like, it's scary, but in that light, you know, 60s sort of, oh, that's creepy, but funny, but bad guy, you know? Because it's, and this of course, you know, the Batman 60s series was still on TV at that time. So, I think I had the idea of Batman, but then I got the comics, and I got the real Batman you know? i
3: well, I mean, you mentioned the Frank Miller Batman, which is obviously the one that i i mean that's kind of the one that I'm most familiar with you know the uh-huh. the darking sort of brooding right. you know, but it's funny because the character's been around since like early i think early nineteen forty or even maybe 1940. So, and yeah. the character didn't start off with that dark side really as much. So what do you think the evolution, how did, how did Batman evolve and what is it that almost a century later we're still wanting more, like if Christopher Nolan did another Batman movie, I'd be right. super happy.
2: Yeah. No, actually that's really interesting that you brought that up because the character has evolved but he started dark. He did. The first, the first, Iteration of Batman had guns.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. He had
2: two 45s and he was killing people. There was um, Hugo Strange. He takes the Batplane, takes a lasso, throws it around the guy's neck and then flies up and hangs him. That's the, that's the last panel of one of the early, it's like Batman defeated the bad guy by hanging him. By murder. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't until the 50s where he sort of got, Thick and chunky and square headed, and you know, yeah. because of because comic books themselves changed, yeah, they did.
1: Well, because that was war. I mean, the 40s was war, you know, comic books were helping kids get through like the war. You well, know, the Batman war. is actually that, pre war, he
2: was December of 1939, the, oh. first, the first edition. Although it's funny because over the years, being such a fan, I've you know, and being in show business, I've had the chance to touch the hem of some of like the gods because to me my quintessential batman is the 70s batman when neil adams took the character back from adam west neil adams is an artist and he reclaimed batman from the kitschy campy tv batman and he made him dark and scary again like he was in the 40s and over the years at conventions I've actually gotten to meet Neil Adams and go to dinner with Neil Adams and hang out. Wow. And, and also once, just once at San Diego comic-con, I was presenting at the Eisner awards, the comic book Oscars. And I got to meet a guy named Jerry Robinson. Jerry Robinson was somebody who worked for DC comics. And at 17 he co-created the Joker.
3: Wow. Wow. At 17?
2: Yes.
1: Amazing. When you're sitting with these guys, are you, do, are you asking them any questions or are you just more happy to meet them?
2: Well, that's, that's always the trick, is you wanna be a fan, but when you got the chance to sit next to them, you don't want them to do him. Up. So basically, you just soak it in. You know, okay. you, you ask a couple of questions, you know, like, so did you own a specific deck of cards that you got that image from? But you gotta be yeah. deep. You can't just go, oh my God, I love you, I love you, I love you.
3: <laughs> but the, you could do that on this show about Batman, though, because that's what this <laughs> show is about. It is about being celebrating what you are fanatical about. Okay, but I'm not done with the conversation we were having before. So we're talking about the character who debuted, you said, December of 39, right? Mm-hmm. But then it took this turn with the Adam West series. What, yeah. what do you think... Made the darkness of the original comics translate because obviously when you take some, something to the screen, there is, it's a different medium, so there's gonna be a difference. But what do you think made the character change from the original dark, brooding, you know, with guns Batman to this kind of like, like hokey guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) And we know why it changed back because people didn't care for that version as much. But what what was the thought process behind that shift in the character?
2: Because after the war, after World War II, people started paying attention to children. Because before, if you had a comic book, your parents never looked at it. You Mm -hmm. know, they were just happy you were reading something and not spending the money on penny candy. But in the 50s, when psychology was invented, there was a there was a scandal that almost killed the comic book industry. A doctor, a professor named Frederick Wertham, decided that comic books were evil and were turning children into juvenile delinquents. You know all that stuff in Happy Days, Fonzie with the greasy hair and the leather jacket? The real story was, he read a comic book and now look at him. If we want, you know short-haired, you know, good kids. We've got to get rid of this scourge in our society. And comic was like, no, 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 no. We're okay. We're, look, look, bright colors. Nobody gets killed. Everything's nice and fun and goofy.
3: So help me with my timeline here a little bit. Mm. Is this when Stan Lee really started creating, like, Spider-Man and, the, the real Marvel characters that didn't have the quote unquote dark side, that that Marvel's only started to bring out that dark side in the last two decades.
2: Not quite. Okay. The, that was about 10 years before Stanley. Okay. When all those kids were 10 and 12, then when they got into their teens and had money, then Stan started writing and comic books and they went to college and started smoking pot and protesting the war. And the comic books became hip
3: uh-huh. because
2: Stan Lee said, oh, well, what if we're not campy and goofy and writing some grown up version of, you know, children's entertainment?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to write this for the kids who, to, who actually will like it. And he did. And all of a sudden people said, ooh, this is pop art. And not only did he have kids reading them, he had, you know, teenagers and some adults. The people who had grown up on comics. And everyone else was just like, Stan, what are you doing? We're working a trash business.
4: But you're and making went, this into art? And he was like, He's Watch. Like, yep. Watch.
2: <laughs>
4: okay, it's time to commit. slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
1: So, Phil, you know all this stuff about the comic book world. When did you start to learn? Because I love comic books to, to death. But you have a knowledge of the history of comic books, which I don't have. Like, I don't have this history. I worked at Marvel Comics for a little bit and everything. Your knowledge, when did this start happening? This did not start happening as you were reading comic books from 10, 11, 12. Did it? Or did you, like, one day hit 35 and just, like, picked up a book and read about the history of comics. No,
2: actually it happened in my teens. Wow. Right around the time I discovered girls (laughs) and I realized, Oh, I don't need all these comic books. I set aside some like really amazing comics that I had, but I took the bulk of that collection that I had and I went to my local comic shop and I traded it for the history of comic like two books on the history of comics, which was dumb. It's like, why did I get cash?
1: You traded all your comic books for two books on the history of comic books, which is a,
2: which is absurd. Because, m- mind That's you, so strange. This is pre nineties, <laughs> so the idea of comic books as an investment was not there yet. Oh, so it was no. just this stuff that was taking up a you know a cabinet in my house that my mom was complaining about. Get these things out of here. I need someplace to put my sheets. I'm like, okay. <laughs>
1: Did you at least keep some some of the Batman comics? Yes.
2: I kept a lot of the Batman, some of the Mad magazines. So I didn't I didn't get rid of everything.
1: So what are the, some of the Batman comics that maybe you still have that for some reason maybe it's a certain story that really means something to you today? Like is there some arc or storyline and it could be it could be Dark Knight Returns. I listen, I love that one too, but is there another storyline or just an, a comic that you remember you're like that really struck a chord with me and I wonder why?
2: I mean, it's probably Dark Knight Returns because I have four different, or no, three different iterations of it. I have the original oh, wow. ones I bought off the stands. I have my second versions of those, the second editions that I bought to lend to people. And then I have the hardbacks because this is art, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm going to, and it's going to be on my shelf for the rest of my life. So you were collecting it when it was still coming out week to week. Yes. Cause
1: I only got it cause, cause I'm, young. I'm a little younger. So I, I only got it when I had, you know, when I got the 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 hardback. but you you were able, you were literally getting it week to week. Were you just like as it was coming, were you like, what on earth? This oh, yeah. is the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's 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 funny because there are a handful of things that, you know, because I'm 53 now, so I've seen cultural waves, and there's a handful of things that when they hit, you recognize this is big. You know, and later. You know, people go, oh, my God, that's so amazing. But they can't really understand. No, no, no. You think that's amazing now because you're reading about it in college. At the time, the day it came, like Star Wars, Dark Knight Returns, Pulp Fiction, things that nothing was the same after them
3: hmm
1: Yes.
2: And especially for those of us who were reading DC Comics prior to Dark Knight Returns, where it's all about continuity and the crisis on this and this, you know, Earth 2, Earth 4, you know. <laughs> and Frank Miller's Batman was just like, yeah. oh, he's saying, screw you with all of that. Like, when you read Dark Knight Returns, you're not thinking, well, what about Earth 2 Dark Knight? Nope.
3: <laughs> So what what are you thinking when you're reading it? What, and, and how often have you reread it? Because oh. for me, with like a book, I mean, if I really like a book, I'm jealous of people who haven't read it. I'll go a couple of years and then reread it, you know. I, so, like, how often have you reread this?
2: Um, well, you have to reread Dark Knight. Pr- well, one, every time a Batman movie comes out. Okay, <laughs> and pretty much every election. These
3: are the, year. these are the rules of
2: yes, <laughs> every election year. Well, because it, it does get political.
1: Is oh, that yeah. really is that important for you? Oh wow, well, because he
2: grounded the the character again in reality, which was the thing yeah. that set Batman apart initially. Like Reagan, Superman. Yeah. You know, it's like nobody's. No, we're never going to be Superman. But if you live in a city and you see Batman, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I had a buddy who got mugged in a street that looked a lot like the one in this panel. You know. Mm-hmm. So he regrounded. And the weird thing was politically he took Superman and made him like the flag waving super fascist. And we had never seen that before. It's like, oh, dang, you can, can, he, can he say that about Superman? <laughs> you know, and and the fact that it was just like the way he dug into it and, you know, his version of the Joker. I mean, he basically made the Joker David Bowie. And I'm like. That's true. He did. Joker is not necessarily straight. <laughs> and it was all these things that had always been there, but we never really acknowledged or thought about, you know, in the mythos of Batman.
3: I have so many questions. Go. But the one that comes to mind is regarding what you were just talking about, especially the creation of the Joker character. Right. And if you had to separate Batman the joker as like classic characters which one is well, more well crafted which one is is better created not who's good and who's evil not who's you know right or wrong right. but but it i mean the joker is one to be reckoned with
2: yeah i mean for me personally it's batman <laughs> okay. because because batman is a character the joker is a symbol the mm-hmm. joker is like when you you know, read true crime novels about or something about or is a you know documentary about a serial killer, there is no answer. How did that happen? Why did that? The Joker is the answer to all of those questions. When some when one of these things happens, and we read about it in the paper or something, oh my god! How could that be? The Joker embodies that.
3: That's so ri- interesting. There, there's no just dis- there's no like and his reason. name like the Joker, the Riddler, the you know. Right. I mean that's. That's so interesting. I've never thought of that.
2: Because Batman, you can track it. Like, there is a kid who witnesses something that cracks him. But instead of, like, b- curling up in a ball, it turns into obsession. And he aims that obsession at, you know, beating bad guys. And he mm-hmm. builds himself into, a you know, a machine for good. So it's a tragic story with a positive outcome. And that to me is the power of Batman. Joker is, I'm crazy and
0: evil. <laughs>
2: okay, but why? Well, cause he fell in a vat. What, wait, what? How does falling in a vat make you a mass murderer? Well, cause it was chemicals. So the Joker equals radiation. What, what are we, is this a pro- anti-nuclear thing? What? The Joker just is cool and scary. Mm-hmm.
1: it's chaos it's uncontrolled chaos it's it's, you know. yeah,
2: it's Jason it's Freddy Krueger
1: yeah. yeah well you're taking us to Batman church and so I think we're about <laughs> to praise and worship praise and worship the Lord Almighty Bat which I love I like that you got these comic books and that you connected with Batman but to stick with him and still talk about him like that was I mean if you had to ask yourself why you love Batman so much like what, why do you think, I mean, and this is fun. If you've never thought about it, I want this to be the, the moment. Like, why do you think you just connect with him so much? Is it Bruce? Is it the idea of the alter egos that you feel like, I mean, I'm an improviser like you, like, so you get to play characters a lot. Does it feel like that a I little don't think bit, so,
2: because obviously in, in today's environment, it's the Bruce Wayne part that makes Batman really problematic. It's like, <laughs> oh, so basically billionaires can do whatever they want and beat people oh, you know, who are you? I'm Batman.
1: Totally great.
2: But I honestly, I think it's what we're talking about. Just that to me, Batman embodies the possibility of sheer will.
3: Of greatness.
2: If you really want it and are willing to work hard, you can be super. And to me, that Mm. means you can, you know, get the part in the play. That means you can be on varsity. That means you can achieve whatever your dream is. And hopefully most of us don't have a dream that's comes from a you know nightmare like his. But it to me, that's what that's what's an inspiring about Batman. So, Phil, have you ever looked inside
1: yourself and like, have you ever like been outside an audition or like wanted a part or writing something or just are or? Are... Heck, we were rock climbing somewhere or whatever. Just have you ever had a moment where you, like, looked inside your inner Batman in a weird way? Like, I, I totally dig this. So uh, this, isn't me, this isn't me celebrating. Like, have you ever thought about, like, what would Bruce Wayne do, you know,
2: <laughs> and actually gotten that goal? No, I, I, I need to tap into my inner Bruce Wayne a lot more, you know, okay. just because of that, that doggedness. I think I had a, a 15-year writer's block, you know, because I didn't Batman. I didn't just keep working out every day, get stronger.
1: Or do you find yourself in moments when you are feeling like weaker? Like there are moments where I'm like a little disappointed with the world or what what happened to me. And I'll go and grab a comic and read it because it makes me feel better. And I'm like, you guys are accomplishing the things that maybe I didn't accomplish today. Does that ever
2: maybe happen? To be honest, not really. I don't read the comic books because I relate to to them. I read them because... I enjoy the power of the stories, love it, you know yeah. i'm not I'm not putting myself in it. I never imagined myself with a cowl. I just love <laughs> I'm watching it i'm in the I'm in the theater watching this story happen and like <gasps> and going on the roller coaster so
3: you know? what is it about reading a comic versus watching a Batman movie like what it describe the experience and how how it is to sort of take in the comic medium versus a film or television?
2: Well, I think part of it is when I started watching comic book movies, we didn't have the technology to get anywhere near what you know, six panels on a page and your imagination could do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, again, we're talking about Batman who doesn't have superpowers, but just that idea of the, the cape you know, billowing out as he jumps off a building and carries himself down no movie could really capture the way in your mind you can feel the air on your face. You can hear the riffle, you know, the rippling nowadays, it's a different, different thing because you know, you watch the Hulk in that Avengers movie and like, that's the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of real now. But to me, it's the, it's the power of your imagination on that page because on a novel, the entire thing is in your head. But in a comic book, it's like you're given a boost,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: through the the writing and the illustration. You know, it's like, OK. Imagine up to we're going to give you up to this point, And then you imagine all the way to the other side.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
3: So you mentioned that you have several different iterations of the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. but a, And at one point you sold your collection, which I'm so sad for you for. No, half <laughs> of it. Were, I, sold, I sold part half of it. Half of, half of it, part of it. But how, how extensive is your collection now?
2: Way too extensive.
3: Well, not, not for this show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Give us a weight or a number. Oh God. Well, let's see. There's the stuff in the... Because it got to the point where I had to move a good portion of it to the storage unit.
1: How many of those long boxes? Let's like talk so about 300 Let's in a see, long box, one, two, about 150 three. in a short one.
2: Well, I have four still left at the house, four long boxes, which are just the greats. Those mm. are just the amazing comics. Well, Actually, three of them are the greats. One of them is the stuff that I've picked up over the years. And then there are probably s- 10 in the storage unit. Wow. And the thing is, I don't consider myself a collector. I'm not buying them for, you know, investment. I just have that many because I find it really hard to throw away a book.
1: Uh, Claire, do we need to tell Phil something? What, what Right now? What? Uh, <laughs> he is in fact a collector of comics. So is this? A, is, this a, is this a come to it's comics? A, it's a good moment? time to
3: let you know that you do qualify as a collector. <laughs>
1: You are a collector. I am both excited for you and, I'm, and uh, you, are, you are in a safe space.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, yes. I I'm am I'm a collector by result, not by intent.
1: Cause, cause Nearly are... 5,000 comic books, Phil. You're a collector. But
2: you know, there are people. Well, that's because I'm old. But there are people who buy comics specifically for their value. That to me is a true capital C collector.
1: Oh, okay. you know, well, then you're a very good lowercase C.
2: I was a collector for probably six months once in my teens, and I kept trying to buy number ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and all the number ones I bought were crap and wound up being worth nothing. <laughs> well, except for one. I do have Moon Knight number one.
1: Ooh, I love Moon Knight. Right? And that's another way that that's Batman-esque because Moon Knight goes, not that we're taking a Moon Knight tangent, oh, yeah. but like. Right, he's he's an actor, but he's kind of a little loopy, a little right. crazy. And he's and he rich, gets into but this. he's
2: yeah, and he yeah, you know, he's definitely a Batman. I won't say knockoff, but homage.
1: No homage,
3: Batman. So homage. okay, the B- Batman. Back to I got to talk more about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the character has been around eighty years. It's been touched by so many different writers, so many different anchors, so many different actors, yep. so many different George directors. Plenty. As we are in 2020, what is the psychology of Batman?
2: That's that's a tough one because the whole idea of a masked vigilante, I mean, because nowadays mm-hmm. Batman, most, most of us look at Batman the way Frank Miller was looking at Superman. It's like, oh, that used to be cool, but now you're a corny ass, you know, but- because now you look at Batman, it's like, okay, here's a billionaire psychopath. Mm-hmm. The good part sort of seems so small now. And that's why I think they've had a tough time lately coming up with a really powerful... The
3: focus has been on the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or just like, oh, it's Batman in the Suit Justice League. It's like, really? It's like, yeah, I'm just Captain Batman. I'm going to so, get everybody together. It's like, what? He's a lone warrior. He's in the alleys
3: at night. He can't be walking around with Aquaman. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to walk around with Jason Momoa, but Batman <laughs> can stick to his own thing. Walk around, um, right? <laughs> no, come on. Uh, but so, my point is: what is the story that has been left untold? Where do we go with the character from here, on the page or the screen? Oh,
1: yeah, you get to write the next Batman story, Phil. What? What do you write?
2: I think you've got to go back to his urban roots. You've got to go with Batman and Gotham. Mm-hmm. So he's not crazy. He just reflects someone who is pushing back against the deterioration of the cities, like all these forces that are making them so awful and unsafe. And he is one man trying. See, that's the thing. I think you've got to take Batman away from the legacy. Because mm-hmm. once you add 80 years, It gets weird. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, so if you've been fighting crime for 80 years and you ain't made a dent in it, maybe you should give up. Or if you're a billionaire and, you know, you're just liking day. Maybe you just like to hit people. You know, you need to set all that stuff aside and focus back on the man who is driven to make this place, my city, Gotham, safe. I think they're actually doing a pretty good job of it with Batwoman, the series.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, good. I don't know if you guys have watched it at all,
1: but- Well, tell us what you know strikes your cord on they've watching They've brought it that. sort
2: of back to the roots. Here is someone who is driven, and the weird thing is she's, she doesn't build everything, she inherits it, but she's got the same willpower and obsession and drive and desire to save people, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that respect, it ties it back to you know, the core character without the problematic thing of like, well, if you had a billion dollars, why are you going to the street beating people? Why don't you just go to an island?
3: You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Phil, people in your life, you're, uh, who, who, in your household, are, are you always talking Batman or are they like enough, enough? Or is this a private thing? Is this more of a private thing that you kind of just share with us? Yeah. Your thoughts.
2: Honestly, I'm the only nerd in my house. Okay. and, I mean, thankfully, with the nerd wave that's happened over the last 10 years, where all of this stuff that used to get you beat, beat up when I was a kid is now full on mainstream. Oh, super my, cool. My you know, rapper son and my jock daughter now actually like the CW shows. And, and actually, uh, just last week, I finally turned her on to Buffy.
3: Oh, you know, yay. So they're
2: finally into <laughs> sci-fi, fantasy, nerd, comic book superhero stuff in a way that they were not when they were little.
3: It's definitely become more mainstream in a good yeah. way, though, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Couple couple more questions, because I'm still just thinking about your massive collection. Are are the kids <laughs> allowed to touch those long boxes? Is the wife allowed to get in there and touch? Or are these no touch zone? Do not ruffle.
2: Let's see. Mm, well,
3: the answer once, I can tell.
2: <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, do they even want to touch it?
3: <laughs> they are not allowed. No. Okay. And, good. But they don't
2: want to. So
3: So it's a win-win. Every
2: once in a while, I'll bring out a hardback collection or something for somebody to read. Uh, Like when my daughter got into the Marvel movies, I brought out some of the old comics. But by and large, they're not interested in old comics. Right. I mean, maybe I'll hold up. Hey, here's the first issue of Teen Titans. Like, okay, here. I'm just going to turn the cartoon back on. (laughs) But they're not really interested in getting into the dusty, uh, you know, long boxes.
3: So what is your, I'm big with routine. Like I I have a certain routine in the morning. I have a certain routine in the evening. What is your comic book reading routine?
2: (laughs) Well, it's funny. I I always joke that comic book fans are worse than junkies. Because a junkie only goes to his dealer when he needs more stuff. Mm -hmm. A comic book head shows up every Wednesday because it's new comic day. (laughs) <laughs> Even if you haven't finished reading the stack you bought last That's, week. It is true. <laughs> and It's actually one of the reasons that I started going digital is because I was coming back from my comic book store every Wednesday afternoon with books. And then I'd open them up and I realized, oh, I accidentally bought this twice.
3: <laughs> I've done that. And
1: you're like, you know what? Let me go just keep them both. You don't return it. You're oh just God, like, no. I, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah, you never return it. You're just like, eh,
2: I got an extra one. Congrats exactly. to me. You know, now, of course, you know, my Die Hard, my Batmans, I will have read those. But like, I saw a Hulk cover that caught my eye. And then, of course, I didn't read it yet. But my routine is every Wednesday I go on Comicsology and see what's new. It's funny because I actually used to get on Periscope for New Comics Day and say, hey, what are people reading? Any who's got? Uh, oh, you know, I love that. You know, recommendations. And I actually got turned on to a couple of things that I wouldn't normally have read, you know? So that was that was cool.
1: Speaking of recommendations, we usually uh, end our show with what is your Batman comic to get someone into a Batman world that has never been ever read a Batman comic? I'm assuming it's gonna be Dark Knight Returns, but I don't know. Maybe Ooh. you're gonna surprise me with a different one.
2: Well, I mean, because Dark Knight Returns, I think is more powerful for people who are bat fanatics and who have a batman background which is actually most people most people know about batman which is what makes the character so hard to take into other realms because even people who have never picked up a comic book will look at a movie or an animated show and go well wait a minute batman wouldn't do that
1: yeah, and everyone has some idea of what Batman would or wouldn't right. do because he's so because he's iconic, you know, ubiquitous. Um, yeah, let's yeah. See
2: the story. Actually, for me, it's yeah. the giant size reprint of the original Detective Comics because even though it's old fashioned, it's still powerful and it's not corny. It's like this dark, brooding thing, and they somehow manage to capture this sort of like horrorish feel in that old timey, you know, three color world. And I think it—I think if for somebody who's never seen, it, they're like, "Oh wow!" And I think it gives people a sense of why this character is why this character still matters.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. OG. OG. I, I, I mean, like Phil, you're first of all. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you for coming Aww. on the show. Second of all, I'm totally gonna go pick up a copy of Frank Miller's. You know, <laughs> you I, have I, to I you know, I interviewed him with <gasps> Stan Lee years ago. I think no. you, uh, you must have remembered. Yeah, it was a huge. I think it was at Emerald City, and it was so interesting talking to him. But I now I really want to read that specific comic and like yeah. dive in there that's a series of four right is yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. that's what i thought
2: and he inter- and the fact that he introduced a female robin was right like mind-blowing at the time yeah yeah
3: yeah so i i mean you know I got I got some more to say about you and Batman, but we'll save it for another day. Um, you're awesome. Thank you. I'm going to go pick thank up the comic you. and then we're going to have you back on the show and we can do a deep, deep dive, David, because okay. I know you're familiar with it. And Phil, you are. And then I will educate myself and we will get into that specific book. How's that sound?
1: Sweet. Deep into the dark.
3: night.
2: Right. So dive
3: into the dark night. All right. Thank Perfect. you, everybody. Phil Lamar.
2: Thank you. Everyone's got to thing.
1: I wish we could just have end credits sort of roll along at the end of this podcast with Hans Zimmer music just to sort of end every Batman movie and Batman podcast sort of just
3: like this. I love it. That's I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, honestly, I'm really I said this during the show, but I'm so I'm kind of invigorated by what he was really his deep dive into the character and the psychology of Batman and how the character has evolved over the years and the fact that he is one of these quote unquote superheroes without a superpower. So I was serious about picking up like Frank Miller's, the dark Knight returns and then reading it and then having another, a recap podcast, if you will, with him and you, David. Yeah,
1: no, it'll be, it'll be the longest podcast ever because dark Knight returns is so thick and delicious. It's like, for those of you who love watchmen who've even seen the series, it's, just this, just a story that's just so big and beautiful. Like I, I it, it does transcend just normal Batmanism. It talks about '80s and Reagan America and Batman and Superman and 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 teenagers. It really is just one of those special, special things that you that people of all ages can enjoy. Dark Knight Returns is special. Very Well, special. then
3: that probably would be a really good podcast, even if it were like a four-part series from someone's perspective who's never read it, from your perspective, who yeah. you are a huge fan of, you know, the comic and Frank Miller and that. And then from Phil, who's obviously a fan of the character, but also the comic. So I think we should do it. Let's do it.
1: I'm in. We can do anything. It's our podcast.
3: We can do anything. By the way, I did forget that Phil is in one of my favorite movies, Step Brothers. Remember, he has the cameo yes, with his way. Such Claire. a good movie. And it just, you know, it made me happy. It made me smile. <laughs> oh,
1: a happy Claire is a happy David.
3: A happy Claire is a happy David is a happy Claire is a happy David.
1: <laughs> oh. Well, thank you all. You made us so happy today. And so is Phil. We just wish you the happiest of days because that's our theme right now. And uh, we'll see you guys at our next uh, podcast. We love you. Absolutely.
3: Take care, guys, and keep passionate out there. Passionable. And guys, before we go, I just want to fill you in who's coming on next week. My good, good friend, Greg Grumberg, who all you, uh, of course, you gen- Xers know from Felicity and Alias and everybody else in the world knows from Star Trek and of course, Star Wars and pretty much. Oh, I can't leave out a uh, big ass spider and tales of Halloween. Uh, he's awesome. And he's going to be talking about Ford Broncos, not just one or two uh, iterations of the Bronco, but all three. So it's a great episode. Don't miss it. See you guys next Thursday. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast.
0: are you tired of dating assholes do you want a prince charming if so we're filming a reality show sign up here
1: 12 american women are flown over to the uk for a bachelor style reality dating show
3: there are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd
1: These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry.
4: What? Y'all playing with me, right?
1: You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace
3: exclusively on Wondery+. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.